another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're discussing Hayao Miyazaki's 1997 film Princess Mononoke, which follows Prince Ashitaka, who in a search for a cure for his mysterious curse finds himself in the middle of a war between forest gods and a mining colony called Iron Town, who are digging up the forest. Along the way, he also meets Princess Mononoke, a human who is literally raised by wolves and wants to destroy Iron Town and its ethically ambiguous leader, Lady Eboshi. This film was a smash hit in Japan, becoming the highest grossing film of all time that's now been overtaken by Spirited Away. But in many ways, it feels like a companion piece to one of his first movies, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. They both have nature-loving protagonists, vaguely medieval settings, themes of man versus nature, giant forests and the giant creatures that dwell within, and tough female antagonists. Now, Trevor, you really liked Nausicaa. Um, What did you think of Mononoke and how it compares? Do you think it's an equally worthy sister film? Do you think it's a bit of a tired retread, or do you think it's a refinement of a less polished first draft? Yeah, there's definitely some similarities uh, between the two films. I'm actually going to let you guess. Did you Do you think I liked this or did, that I didn't like it? I'm not sure. I mean, the fact that you're saying that makes me think you maybe Ooh. didn't like it quite as much. Um, there's, there's not a lot of... I'm trying to think what you might like more about one or the other. I suppose Nausicaa is a little bit more, I don't know, maybe like mythical in its setting. Like it's sort of... I mean, this has like giant monsters, but they're also kind of animals grounded sort of mostly in reality where the other one has like these giant weird sort of creatures like it feels more like a old school fantasy and this one seems a little bit more modern to me um but i don't know what what were your thoughts um i loved it um i thought that to kind of go back to your original question i thought that i don't think although they share a lot of similarities i don't think that i would necessarily be like oh they're retreading the same things like a lot of it didn't feel like a retread and that's what made me like it. Like if I had felt like, Oh, we're just remaking a film we've already done. That'd be one thing. Um, but <clears throat> I think there are some subtle differences that make it a little, at least bearable. And I think it's a more tight film. I think that um, although it's just as long, I think that Nausicaa has moments where it felt longer to me. Um, this film feels a little bit more tight in its runtime. As well as like, you know, obviously we have kind of a gender flip of the main characters. We follow Ashitaka, who's a male, and, um, you know, the the princesses, although she's, you know, an important character, we don't really follow her for pretty much the first half of the film. Um, One of the stark differences, though, in this film was like the level of violence and gore in comparison to Nausicaa. Like... Yes, Nausicaa was just as violent. There was a huge war. There was like a lot of death and whatnot. But I was truly taken away a couple times, like especially when Ashitaka, like in the beginning, when he sees the, the that group kind of pillaging that town and he just starts shooting them with those bows and arrows and like heads come off and arms come off. And I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> um, but you know me, I love gore. So I was like kind of living my best life. Um, what did you think? I know you're not, you're pretty gore adverse. So what did you think of that aspect of the film? Um, no, I think it, it works in the context of the movie. I mean, it, it does, 
And yeah, it, it does sort of separate it a little bit from the movies that came before and since. I mean, this is definitely Miyazaki's most gruesome movie. It does like, and in that sense, it, it does feel <laughs> a little bit um, removed. Yeah, the very first time I watched this, um, yeah, just exactly in that scene, like where the the arms come off while you know, so, like someone's like holding up like a sword, <laughs> and then like the arms just get like cut off, like by an arrow. You know, it's not even like <laughs> like an accurate battle. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's quite a lot of um, that kind of arms. I don't, and it's it's always used. It's not um, overdone or anything, and it's not done for the sake of no, yeah. Oh, this is because anime can be quite violent, and and Ghibli films generally are not. And I don't think it's necessarily trying to appeal to that um, like audience who might have sort of grown up with like Akira and those sort of like hyper violent sort of Neo Tokyo kind of. Um, anime films like these are very different and the violence is always used to serve as an illustration of the sort of the demon within ashitaka that's sort of brought mm-hmm. about by this curse and that's like the only time we really see well and like uh, yeah well like um sorry to interrupt you uh, <laughs> but like one of the starkest things like yeah that was like pretty stark to me when he's you know the bow and arrow and all that but then like that one shot of the princess when she like sucks the blood out of the wolf and it's just like all over her face and she's just spitting out mouths full of blood and I was like oh okay so I mean I I don't really have a point with that but it was just I was not expecting that <laughs> well I mean I mean again and like something like that is it's used to sort of demonstrate character really. it's, it's it's to show that I feel like in a normal movie sorry, normal, like in most movies, we'd sort of assume that there's sort of a romantic coupling waiting to happen kind of, or if not a romantic coupling, then he's going to use his humanistic ways to sort of make her, make a lady of her kind of, but it's, and in a normal movie that this is sort of be like, you know, like a meet cute sort of where they meet and like, they sort of connect, you know, and we see the beginnings of what could be a relationship, but instead she's like sucking like, a bullet wound out of a wolf and then like literally as they lock eyes which again could have been a vaguely romantic or at least have like a hint of romance to it she's like spitting out wolf blood as she looks at him like so i think it's 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 it both establishes her character as very much something inhuman well you know something that's been removed from her sort of more human civilized tendencies and then to also sort of cut through the idea that they're going to have like an easy relationship and that they're going to um, and then, you know, that they're really from the same world, but she's just like a little bit animalistic. Like, no, she's like very, very much part of the, um, animal world. So I think it, it, yeah, it serves that function. Yeah. D- definitely, you know, probably the most gruesome imagery that you sort of see in a Ghibli film. Um, but you know, and oh, yeah. it, it is kind of cool to see after, you know, the, you know, the same person who did like, you know, my neighbor Totoro kind of just being like spitting blood out of you know wolf wounds and that <laughs> and i mean i'm like i'm an, i mean i'm an idiot i keep calling her the princess but it's san and correct me or if i'm wrong like there is no princess mononoke is that like the thing i like, mean maybe i i if you said who's princess mononoke i'd say it's her um but i mean there might right? be something more, more to that it, it might be more I of looked... a metaphorical thing yeah, well, and I mean, like, even just, I mean, when I'm going to say that I did my research, I'm literally just referencing the wiki page, but, yeah. um, 
the term Mononoke is not a name, but a Japanese word for supernatural uh, shape-shifting beings that cause that possess people and cause suffering, disease, or death. And so I thought that, but I mean, when I see her, she's an embodiment of those things that are going on in their forest. And so that's kind of why I'm so driven to call her a princess, but I guess yeah. like, she's not. I mean, And I think she's but, sometimes yeah. referred to as that, right? maybe like wolf princess or princess monarchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like maybe Lady Eboshi does, but also, I mean, it's, it's very much, even if that's not explicit, made explicit in the text, like all the sort of, you know, DVD covers and posters are like princess monarchy and it's her face kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like sold that way, even if it, it may be something completely different, mm-hmm. but I think the idea is supposed to be that that is either her or she's representative of that title somehow. Um, yeah. What did you think of her character? Um, I kind of, well, yeah. I mean, the part that I was going to hit on, and this goes in regards to, like, why I enjoyed her character, um, is you, yeah, you kind of expected that kind of neat, cute moment and that they were supposed to be together. And, yes, there is some romantic, like, tinges throughout it, but that's not, like, the driving factor of any character's motivation. Like, um, Ashitaka, yes, he feels connected to... Um, San, but he's more so wanting to stop the conflict and obviously to, you know, get uh, to be freed from his curse um, by the forest god. But I liked her character for that reason. That and I thought it was fun for them to have this character that's like a feral girl that's been raised by wolves and she's kind of a little unhinged and doesn't really understand social cues and how to interact like human to human she doesn't even she doesn't even call herself a human she calls herself you know a wolf um so it feels like it was a not like a, a typical character that I've, seen, that I've seen a lot of times um mm-hmm. with these like you know although she's still strong and although a lot of the um female characters in the studio ghibli films are strong characters with you know their own volition um she's just a little bit different she's not coming from you know more like a, what do we call it? A regal background. <laughs> and there's also no attempt really at the end to have her do some sort of 180 um, character turn and sort of go off to live in the human world or anything. Like they basically, yeah. if, even though they come together and to like... be with Ashitaka. Yeah. They're like, okay, I'm a human. You live in the forest, bye. And that's kind of how it ends. And like, it's not a... And that's like seen as a positive thing, but it's kind of like, okay, that's an interesting choice like that they don't try to force that on her and they also don't try to like make her well not very often they don't really try to make her non-humanness funny like they don't like there aren't like you know scenes of her like trying to fit into the human world and it's like look, look at this weird girl trying to be a human like it's, there's not a lot of that either um before we get into sort of more specific things did you have any other any other things you want to say about what you enjoyed about this movie um apart from sort of the the surprise violence of it i was entertained i like and maybe this is i i like the 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 plot the beat points between like there's something that feels so epic about it and that's part of the reason why i like nausicaa is because i'm not bored by just one protagonist doing this doing things throughout the entire film i'm constantly being captivated and 
I have to engage with this film and be an active viewer because there are so many different groups with different, you know, desires and things that they're wanting mm-hmm. to do that are going that are in complete conflict of other people. Um, so I really liked that. I thought it was interesting when I, when I watched this, I started immediately getting like, um, Fern Gully vibes. I don't know if you've ever seen Fern Gully. No, I know people always used to talk about it in like as a um, like a similar to Avatar sort of story. Well, see, and then that was that was interesting to me too because I was like, this feels like Fern Gully, and then I realized, and then I was started thinking about it a little bit more too, and I was like, uh, what else seems like Fern Gully? I was like, oh yeah, Avatar. Like Avatar was like another it's kind of like the same idea, but it was interesting. I. I mean, after watching this or in the middle of watching this, I was like, which was made first? Was Ferngully or Princess Mononoke made first? And interestingly enough, um, Ferngully was made first. Mm-hmm. And the Ferngully was 1992, and this was, what, 1997? Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, oh, it ripped off Ferngully, but I'm curious if there was some influence on that. Because I've seen a lot more of the other way around. I've seen more American animation being influenced by studio ghibli in ways that i never even knew because i hadn't seen these films um but that was kind of one that i was like oh whoa did they kind of take some beats or plot points from that i mean it's very it's very founded in japanese history and um yeah yeah, so there's uh, but it seems like maybe there was uh taking this kind of i don't know plot and putting it overlaying it through their history um either way I thought it was very interesting too because I looked it up afterwards with just Avatar and how um, James Cameron was super inspired by Princess Mononoke and a lot of people are like he ripped off Princess Mononoke so that's interesting to me but yeah mm-hmm. overall I liked the film mostly for the captivation there wasn't a lot of um, I mean there's character development it's not it's not a character driven film in my in my mind it's more of a grand epic I mean. Ashitaka goes from being, you know, this prince and this, this last prince in this village to having a hero's journey and being thrust out of his innocence and having to, um, you know, go on this big long journey. Um, so there's development there, and I think San, you know, realizes her that she is uh, human, uh, but that she'll always be, you know, kind of feral, and so that's kind of really why it felt like they stayed true to the characters in the end that. Ashitaka wouldn't go to the forest and stay with San and San wouldn't stay with the human beings with Ashitaka that maybe they're going to visit each other once in a while. And that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm rambling now, but I enjoyed it. That's right. I'll just cut, cut that all out. Um, <laughs> no, I, I guess just to hit on a few points of things that you've um, said earlier. Um, I think when we're talking about it in relation to Nausicaa, you said this one films feels a little bit more sort of streamlined um, and less sort of all over the place, and like less lulls and things like that. I think, I mean, this is quite a, it's still quite a dense film in terms of all the things that are going on. Like the, in order to get any sense of what the movie was about, like my description had to be quite a bit longer than um, it usually is. And that wasn't even, you know, factoring in a lot of the different side characters and things like that. But I feel like the movie is a little bit more morally ambiguous maybe than, um, Nausicaa like Nausicaa as a character is very like Uh. virtuous like she's like a sort of perfect human being or whatever yeah she's human um sort of character and I think this 
film is sort of filled with sort of more ambiguous characters and we spend more time with both sides of this of the coin even though like lady eboshi could sort of be seen as the villain of the movie we spend a lot of time in iron town with all the inhabitants and with her understanding her point of view and showing her as a pretty good leader of this town really um like she's quite liked by a lot of the people mm-hmm. there and she's done a lot of good things for a lot of people so i think that's something that i like a little bit more about nausicaa sorry about um, mononoke than then i do about nausicaa the um Kushana, I think, is her name, the the main villain of Nausicaa. I don't feel like she's very... We don't really get much of a sense of her motivation behind, besides just being sort of like a military leader mm-hmm. who wants power kind of thing. But here, I think we have... We, we are given more time to understand both sort of the forest side of things and the human side of things. And we're not... And there aren't really any sort of explicit villains. And I think that's what I like most about... Um, the movie you said there's not a lot of character development i think yeah i mean it's not yeah it's not a character story this isn't like only yesterday or something yeah yeah um it's you know a day in the life but i think the characters are pretty interesting i I think someone asked me recently what my favorite character in ghibli was and i think i said lady eboshi because i quite like her i don't know did you watch the um english version or the japanese version uh this one i watched the english version oh you did Okay. I feel like sometimes it's harder to get a sense of character in another language, you know, especially if when you're watching it for the first time, but you did watch it in, with um, Mini Drive or whoever plays Eboshi. Um, yeah, I just love her character. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's, you know, she's has v- many villainous qualities, but she's not an evil person. She's just, you know, <laughs> very um, capitalistic and, you know, willing to do whatever um, it takes to look after the well-being of her town. So, you know, she's, she has some good traits as well as some less than good traits. Did, did you have any thoughts on on that, the sort of um, moral ambiguity of the characters and the story? No, that's actually, like, a really good point, and I think that's where I was trying to get at with it feels... I don't know, the, yeah, just, it just does feel very different from Nausicaa to me, even though they have a lot of the same beat points, but it, do, it feels more... I guess that's where I was going with like the tight knitness of it. Like these characters feel like a little bit more fleshed out and they stay true to their, to their character. Not that anyone didn't in Nausicaa, but like you said, I kind of can relate to their thought, their stream of thought and their logic a little bit more in this movie. And you also mentioned that um, it's quite an epic feeling movie. I think like it's, this is very much, I think, if not the most or one of the most sort of epic feeling uh, Studio Ghibli films. I think that's something that I guess compared to Nausicaa, which has a lot of huge action sequences, just sort of time and budget sort of, you can tell the difference visually in how much, in how sort of big this feels and how much time um, and effort has been put into sort of creating the landscape and the scale um, of everything. Mm-hmm. Um and another thing, reason why I liked this one too was, sorry, was that no. um, like immediately there was kind of like a mystery element to it. And there was a Nausicaa as well, but this one just felt like a little bit more high stakes. Like we have this demon who comes busting out of the forest and the, in the beginning I'm like, oh, okay, the prince is going to kill it. And, and then we're just it's going to be this battle between the good guys and the bad guys. But then it becomes way more complex than that. And it felt 
that whole scene felt very dangerous. Like he wasn't able to stop it. There was like the evilly substance tentacle stuff all over this boar. And yeah, it's just, it's it, the tone was set so well in the beginning of something so uh, daunting and poisonous that maybe that this prince who's supposed to be their grand warrior um, or that's going to take care of everybody. He's not even unharmed and unscathed. He has now has this curse. Like, yeah, I don't know. I was like immediately drawn in. I was like, okay, I'm down. I'm ready for this like road movie. Him going to figure out if he can be uncursed. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. There is a very real sense of danger. And I think, I think that also comes through. Um, I mean, both in the decision to allow the movie to be quite violent and to have that sort of mm-hmm. quite gruesome imagery, like in the beginning where the sort of the boar is sort of just like decaying in front of their eyes. And it's just like, that's not something, you know, you would see in um, Boca Rosso or something. Um, <laughs> but also I think the, again, with, with sort of, you know, a bigger budget and um, probably more time, I think like the action sequences in this film, I think are really well done. Like a lot, especially during some of the fight sequences, it's very sort of kinetic, I think. Um, more than sort of the more sort of dandered action sequences you've sort of seen in your know, Laputa and things like that. There's some sort of like the scene where um, San attacks sort of I in town. Like this, I think that's like, a, like a, one, of, one of my favorite action sequences in a Ghibli film, especially when she sort of you know, mm-hmm. comes down from the like jumps off the roof and is sort of having sort of like a knife fight with a bow. like it's very like lots of quick cuts and like um, you know, zoom ins, things which you don't normally see in a studio ghibli movie it feels like a yeah. little bit more like a more modern anime style um but it, it makes those scenes feel a lot more dangerous um and exciting really and yeah i think that's something that this film has that um we hadn't sort of seen before well what did you think of so i mean i guess compared to not that we're not that we need to just compare this to um Nausicaa, but it's like a jumping off point to discuss it i suppose i've always found Ashitaka to be not boring, but I don't find him like, I, I, you know, I enjoy spending time, say with Nausicaa a little bit more than Ashitaka who I don't find as interesting. Did, did you, did, did you like Ashitaka as a character or do you feel like he's more of a foil to just, um, to enter this world, which has more interesting and complex characters in it? I don't say that I would like, I wouldn't say that I, I like him any more than I would particularly find like pretty much any character in these or in this film in particular that I I wasn't really drawn to any character in particular. Um, and I think that that's kind of what I meant earlier with like this doesn't feel like a character driven film. Like the characters are all <clears throat> they're helping to drive the story. But I'm not, I wasn't in particular like rooting for anyone. I was more so like rooting for conflict resolution in general. Um, so I wouldn't say I particularly liked him. I thought that he came off as, you know, a pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? I also say that so often because I forget. Uh, he, he comes off as pretty selfless in certain moments. Like, and I know that the underlying motivation for him is to ultimately find a cure for his curse. Um, but he really does sacrifice his safety and um, general well-being <laughs> for a lot of people in different moments. Yeah. And 
I don't know. Like there's an aspect of that that I find admirable that I like, but then there's also an aspect of that that I find stupid. And so, <laughs> I mean, it, it ended up well in the end, but yeah, I guess I'm not particularly drawn to Ashitaka, but there's something about him that I find admirable, but yes, slightly annoying. <laughs> I mean, the, the movie does. I probably wouldn't do. remember his name later is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think the movie does try to sort of give him a little bit of a conflict, like you could, whereas someone who is obviously, he starts the movie sort of quite pure and, and chaste, but then with the sort of the curse that he has, he sort of gets sort of increasingly angry and frustrated at the world because this is the first time he's sort of introduced mm-hmm. to a less than perfect world. But I think his character has the hard position where he's literally wants to be on both sides so his actions are harder to follow because we don't really know what he's trying to do at any given point. Is he, who's he trying to save in this moment? You know, in one moment he's saving Eboshi, in the next moment he's saving San. And that's the point. He's He, he like you, just wants conflict resolution. Um, but it's kind of just like, where is he going? Like he's, he's running off to the forest, but we don't really know who he's, what he's trying to, st- you know, he's trying to stop bad things happening, but we don't know who he's going to stop. Yeah. You know, stop the wolves from killing you know like it's kind of like what is it so it it makes it it makes him harder to sort of get behind because we don't really know at any given moment what he's trying to do because there's so many different moving pieces and he doesn't have a side um but you know again that's kind of the point he's playing all angles shall we get on to our favorite shots and sequences did you have either or both yeah, my favorite shot. <laughs> I'm like, no, neither. It wasn't beautiful. No, um, my favorite shot was <laughs> the. Uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna. I can't remember what they call it. Uh, just like, oh yeah, 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 the forest spirit. Like the shot where there's the two trees and they're kind of looking through, and like the, the deer representation of the forest spirit is there, but kind of silhouette-y. Um that was my favorite shot. That was so, so beautiful. And then probably my favorite sequence would, would either be when we are initially introduced to both Eboshi and her people and San, like that fight up on the mountain, like the very muddy mountain and they're like the wolves are running at them. It's either that sequence um, or the pretty much the end sequence when like, you know, the forest spirit is like, screw everybody. I'm going to kill everyone in the world. Um, I loved the, it felt like there was some payoff with that intense sequence. How about you? The one you gave for your favorite shot, that's, I had two favorite shots. One of them is definitely, um, that sort of, you know, Ashitaka sees in the, in the distance and there's like a slow push and into this sort of golden, like it's sunset or something. And you can just see like the, um, Mm -hmm. the deer kind of like there's normal deers or whatever. And then something just sort of stands out and he sort of like squints and it looks at him like that. That's just it's a beautiful thing. Um, my other one, it's just a really quick shot. There's, there's quite a lot of sort of like epic sort of battle shots, but I think there's one early or like maybe midway through the film um, where it's sort of a flashback to um, how the pigs were killed basically. And a sort of Lady Eboshi on top of a cliff and there's sort of just like fumes and like fire and like redness just like emanating from below at the sort of carnage that was caused. I think that's a really beautiful shot. Um, favorite sequence. 
my second favorite is probably the opening. I think that's a really, I think the movie starts in a really interesting way. And like, that's just like a really, and just like that, that whole creation of that giant ball with like the weird, like tentacle sort of things over it. Like, that's just an amazing um, image. And like, I sort of, again, going back to Nausicaa, I sort of, um, I see that as like quite similar to the beginning of um, Nausicaa where we sort of see, she's like in the forest and like the ohms are sort of chasing her. Similarly, like the ohms were sort of a beautiful sort of creation. Um, And I think that this one is, you know, more creepy even um, than that sequence. It's just like a really Mm -hmm. crazy, like, and the animation just looks so different from anything we've seen before um, in his movies. But my, my actual favorite sequence is probably uh, when we see the forest spirit sort of for the first time or not for the first time, but the whole sequence of the sort of forest getting ready for the forest to, to come forest spirit to come from sort of being that giant night walker. Oh yeah. To, and then like, like all the little um, Kadama and just like pop up in the trees and then like they start sort of swaying with the wind and then he sort of like comes down. And like this is when he sort of saves, um, or he, I don't know, it sort of saves um, Ashitaka and it, it has the things where as it sort of steps, the flowers sort of grow around it and die, you know, as the forest spirit sort of walking. I think that's just such a gorgeous um, image. And in terms of what it represents as well, I think that's absolutely love. That whole sequence is gorgeous, I think. Um, Yeah, so they're my favourite shots and sequences. Let's get to the ratings. So out of two, what did you give it for... A strong, complex female character. Characters. Oh, I give it a two. Why? I gave it a two. Um, <laughs> you gonna make me defend myself? No. Um, yes. We have. <laughs> we have, um, arguably at least three. Um, we have San, who, kind of like we already hit in this episode, but kind of defy defies convention for, you know, if, if we consider her the princess, she defies the convention of what a princess is Um, from the get go of meeting her, like sucking out blood out of of that wolf. And then uh, Lydia Boshi, she's, she, she rules that whole town. Like when, when they're getting pillaged by the samurai and they're like, we need Lydia Boshi, not only, not only is Lydia Boshi the general that they want to come and save them, but there's also this whole town full of women who are like fighting off and keeping the samurai at bay. And then oh, we also have, um, you know, the, the wolf mother, I forget the wolf mother's name um, of song, but yeah, but uh, very, very protective and willing to sacrifice everything for San and for the forest in general. Um, yeah. I just think that we had a lot of strong female characters in this movie. Yeah. Interestingly, um, the giant, the big wolf in the Japanese version is voiced by a man. So I don't even know if it is a mother. Oh, whoa. Uh, yeah. Or if it's not this a man, that it's when I watched them in English. I mean, it, it is possible that it's like a woman, pitched very deep but i don't think so i think it's um male but in any case like yeah i think uh, yeah boshi and san um themselves 
You're um, right. It is voiced by a male. But but yeah, like Lady Eboshi, she's a bit of like a feminist hero, really. Like she's she got all the um, you know, sex workers from local towns and like gave them jobs and <laughs> yeah. you know, and they just sort of wander around doing all the work and then, you know, she's creating weapons for them because she knows that she can trust them more than the guys in her town. So yeah, I think very much um two for that. Uh, environmental concerns what are we thinking a half maybe a one nope i gave you two why oh for what no I'm joking. oh i hate you i was uh, like what are you talking about we moved on already yes shall we just say two and move on uh flying machines and flight i gave it zero yeah yeah i don't really have anything other than to say there's not a lot of that or any of that in this film yeah there's not even like even in Nausicaa, there was a lot of sort of flying creatures, but there's not even really that here. Mm-hmm. A few firefighters and stuff, that's about it. Um, the Power of Love. I guess I should have thought about our ratings while I was watching. <laughs> I'll give it a one. And The Power of Love, the reason why I'm giving it a one is I don't think it's as strong necessarily as what you would come to expect from a lot of the characters, but I still feel like the characters are driven by love for certain aspects. Like Ashitaka is driven by love for conflict resolution and just any way possible. San's driven for love of the forest. Um, Eboshi's driven for the love of her people and to make this town, you know, she takes care of so many people and that's why she wants to do this. So I give it a one. What'd you give it? Yeah, I gave it a one. I think the sort of general striving for peace is sort of how that sort of Mm-hmm. Demon, that that idea of love is demonstrating you know, like why can't we all just get along kind of thing um yeah. and we will we will make this happen um you know even if it means killing each other yes yeah, so i gave that a one um and the prevalence of water like boats islands rivers etc what did you give that out of two? Oh, i would give it a one um oh, maybe i would give it yeah i'd give it a one I mean, their water is an aspect of the forest and it's a, a good resource. And I mean, their whole town is, you know, surrounded in um, water. But I don't think that it's like, it's more about the forest in general. I don't know. You could convince me otherwise, but I gave it a one. I gave it a two. Um, to be honest, like when I think of this... Ooh, explain um, yourself. Well, when I think of this um, stupid criteria, I kind of think of this movie because... Um, just all that time spent and again this is like a personal preference to me because i do i just love um that setting uh sort of you know within the forest just like the sort of lakes um with the tiny little islands that sort of live there and that's where sort of the forest um spirit forest god um lives i just think oh, that yeah. and the one in the middle yeah like the, there's like a lot of time spent there uh there's a lot of time sort of sort of along the river like on the rocks there where the um wounded soldiers fall down and there and iron town is sort of you know uses the water um to produce the iron as well and that's sort of surrounded by water so that's that's where i i get it you know there aren't any sort of you know boating equipment or things like that but i think sort of the islands and rivers on and i'm i'm going to give it a two because that's because i really i really love that um setting so much it's one of my favorite ghibli um environments uh so for me that was a 
seven. What did you? What What are yours? Added up out of ten. Not Not the score for the movie. Just those criteria. Um, I have a six. Here, and okay. Well, okay. I guess we guess what you think I gave the movie out of ten. Um, I think you gave it an eight point five. I did. <laughs> I'm so good with you. I think you gave Norsica an eight point five or a nine. So mm-hmm. on that front, I'll I'll say I'll say nine, but it might not be that high. Yeah, actually, you're right. Um, no, no, sorry, your logic was right in your thinking. Um, no, I'd give it an eight point five as well. There's still something about Nausicaa that I liked more, but um, th- I mean that just comes down to personal preference. But I really enjoyed this film. Nice. Uh, so that's a fifteen and a half for me. And I guess what what, what did you give it again for the for, uh, for the criteria? Four. It'll be it'll be a fourteen six, and a half for me. Fourteen and a half. Okay. Um, before we finish up, do you have any? connections i mean beyond all the stuff we talked about with nausicaa do, how do you see this relating to the the broader uh, miyazaki canon um uh, just the big one the environmental concern like that's just and i mean i know that you have in the criteria for a reason but that just seems to especially this decade seem to be like a very intense and not that the 80s wasn't about that didn't have a lot of films about environmental concern but this decade kind of just feels a little bit more with pompoko and um this yeah that makes sense i suppose just because like miyazaki sort of started with like nausicaa and laputa the sort of like you know old school adventure princesses and things like that this sort of feels like a little bit more of a return to that that we haven't seen in the last couple like kiki and porco which were sort of lighter um uh-huh. slightly more contemporary set films um, same with um, Totoro, I guess. So, like those was all three of those were a little bit more, not gentle necessarily, but yeah, they were, they were all sort of semi-contemporary, um, and like there was like magic, but it was sort of very lightly held. Whereas this sort of goes back a little yeah. bit more to the first couple, I'd say, like like well, not including um, Lupin, but like Nausicaa and Laputa. So it, it does feel like a little bit more in that same vein. Yeah, and we'll see if he continues that with his next movie spirited away which i'm very excited to have you watch uh but before that i will talk to you next time when we discuss 1999's my neighbors the amadas from isao takahata see you then talk to you then